Hey guys, welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of the Usle Podcast. My name is Ali Kameha, and today we're going to talk about... We're going to start off talking quickly about the UFC 260 Stipe vs. Francis. I got some gambling advice for you to help you make some money. Then we're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline. And did any team really change their fate? Anyone closer to winning the NBA title? And last but not least, the main thing about this podcast, the segment that I really want you to hear is why you need to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. If anything out of this podcast, please just listen to the last segment of this podcast why you should watch Judas and the Black Messiah. But, I do have a great podcast coming up. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. Let's get started with UFC 260 and gambling advice. For the people that listened to to the other podcast, Hopefully you heard what I said. What did I say last time? The odds were on Stipe plus 100. On Francis Ngannou, it was minus 125. And I said, if you wanted to go for Francis, who I believe is going to win, I told you to jump on it because the odds were just going to keep getting worse and worse for Francis. But I said, if you believe that Stipe... Still has a chin on him and could go five rounds with Francis, then hold off because Stipe's odds are just going to keep getting better and better. And was I right? Yes, I was. Minus 125 to minus 138 for Francis. And Stipe just got you a plus 110. I know it doesn't seem much, but plus 110 covers your VIG. So, you're, you're more than even now. You're 10 bucks over even on Stipe. I've watched a lot of breakdown on those on the previous fights. A lot of commentary. And I do have to say, I still have the same opinion. I always look at a fight... How many ways or how can this guy beat this guy and how can this guy beat this guy? And the only way that Stipe could beat Francis Ngannou is by going five rounds with him without getting hit. And he sort of did get hit in the first fight and... In the first fight was three years ago. And Francis Ngannou is a completely different fighter than what he was three years ago. When he was a baby in uh, in the mixed martial arts world. He had almost no experience and you can see it in that fight. But he still landed shots and still had opportunities. And this time around it's... 
Because all he needs is that one punch to land. And I think he can make it land this time. And I think he will. So if you're listening to this again, jump on Francis right now. Or if you want to be smart, what do you do? If you if you want to take Francis and you're like me and you know the only way Francis is going to be steep is by a knockout, don't take Fran- don't take Francis to win. Just take Francis to win by KO or TKO. Those will give you better odds if you want to go for Francis. And if you want to fade me, hold off until the very, very end for as long as you possibly can because that will give you better odds for Stipe. Alright? Just don't blame me if you lose. Second fight, Tyrone Woodley versus Vicente Luque. The odds stayed the same. Vicente Luque. I have to say Tyrone Woodley does look like he is more focused coming into this fight. Because he has been on a losing streak. But unfortunately Vicente Luque. If you listen to the previous podcast. um, Everything that I said about him. I I just can't see him losing and blowing this opportunity or blowing this shot. So I got to stick with Vicente on this one. But I do have to say Tyrone Woodley did come humbled this time. He came focused. I don't think... I think he knows what's at stake. This might be his last fight if he loses. Thomas Almeida Rashawn O'Malley. What did I tell you guys? Same thing. Just like Stipe versus Francis. I told you guys Sean O'Malley has name recognition. And in the UFC and in the fight game, there's 99% casual fans and 1% real fans. And casual fans know and remember Sean O'Malley. Thomas Almeida isn't that big of a name, right? And I told you guys, watching the breakdown, those two fighters are very, very similar fighters. It could honestly go either way, and I think that's why they're on this card. Because I think this is guaranteed to be a box office, like, fireworks fight. Because they're such similar fighters. And the odds have gone up for Almeida. So he went from plus 250 to plus 275. Sean O'Malley went from minus 334 to minus 350. If you're just... I said this on the last podcast. I'll say it again. For the value, because they are such similar fighters. And it could honestly go either way. I would take Thomas Almeida, and again, I would wait, because I can see this, after the NCAA, couple of games, there's going to be a couple of people that lost some money, they want to make a little comeback later that night, 
and they might drive those Sean O'Malley prices up because they might look at it like this is a given, especially if you're a casual. So you can probably almost get the. I think by the end of it, you're going to be able to get them around. Thomas Almeida is going to be around plus 330 to 350 range before the fight I think that's that's how much Thomas Almeida's value is gonna it's the name recognition with Sean O'Malley and Thomas Almeida is not a scrub and I'm telling you it's such an equal fight that it's gonna be so exciting and because of that I would just take the value in Thomas Almeida so just to quickly recap, UFC 260, the headliner is Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou for the heavyweight title. I'm telling you, jump on Francis Ngannou. Take him to win by TKO or KO. That's what I got. Tyrone Woodley versus Vicente Luque. That's a stay away from me for me. I just, Vicente, the odds aren't, you know, you're not getting good odds going against Tyrone Woodley, which you, which you had the other two fights, because again, name recognition and brand awareness, and the UFC does a great job, and Tyrone Woodley was a former champ, and he's great at advertising himself, TMZ, rapping, music videos and so on this one the odds makers are just not buying it they're just not budging they don't care they don't see Tyrone Woodley doing it so that's scary to stay away from it and then Thomas Almeida versus Sean O'Malley if you're a value kind of person jump on Thomas Almeida they're so similar of fighters, but the odds are better for Thomas Almeida. They're just significantly greater, and the talent isn't isn't that different between them. And if anything, Thomas Almeida actually has a lot of experience, and Sean O'Malley, man, the thing sucks about that guy is he just keeps having reoccurring injuries, unfortunately. Which keeps robbing us from witnessing this man put on a great show. But value, if you're betting, Thomas Almeida. Who do I want to win? I want Sean O'Malley to win, of course. But when you got to put money up, money becomes a different game, right? Alright. Thank you, guys. Alright. Moving on from our UFC 260 recap and gambling advice, let's get start. Let's get started talking about the NBA trade trade deadline <laughs> and what happened. All right. Well, if you heard me on the previous podcast, you will know that boy, oh boy, was I wrong. Kyle Lowry did not end up getting moved uh, because, according to Masai, the right package um, did not 
present itself where where Kyle and the Raptors organization were both happy so Kyle decided to stay and Aaron Gordon to the Celtics he did not go to the Celtics even though of course like Danny Ainge always does after every trade deadline or offseason uh, today came out saying that they were very close uh, they offered picks and a haul for Aaron Gordon, but it never um, really got there. The deal was made before uh, they really had a chance. Typical, typical Danny Ainge. I think it's time for the people to hold him accountable. Boston sports is getting ready to start holding people accountable. They had their honeymoon period in Boston where it lasted, right? They were winning Super Bowls, NBA championships, MLB, Boston Red Sox. They were just a winning city. And a lot of coaches and a lot of general managers in those organizations, whether it was whether because they led them to the World Series, NBA Finals, whatever the situation is, have had sort of a pass from the public at least. From the public eye, public radio, public opinion. And I'm not talking about your local radio. No, I'm talking on a national scale. The ESPNs, the Fox Sports, the CBS, those kind of national media. Those people are the ones that have been holding their tongues. Right? Scared to criticize. But I think it's time. Danny Ainge, it's time for him to get criticized. I'm just going to recap very quickly the ones that I felt will have the biggest impact. And I might be wrong, but Philly able to find a a cheaper alternative uh, for Kyle Lowry by going with George Hill. I have to be honest about this. Not just because I'm a Raptors fan and I I love Kyle Lowry, but I think this is wrong. I think they cheaped out. When you have the opportunity and the team is gelling the way it's gelling right now and the coach, the front office, everything is going well, I think you should go all in. Anything can change, right? Embiid can get injured. Ben Simmons could have back spasms. They could become unhappy with each other. Anything can happen. And I honestly do believe that if they went, if they got Kyle Lowry, Philly would have really been exciting to watch against Brooklyn. 
because on that team, like, who are you holding your hats on for the guy that's been there? Danny Green? Dwight Howard? I, or Kyle Lowry? You're going to tell me Kyle Lowry is not going to get the most out of Ben Simmons? He's not going to get the most out of Joel Embiid? Tobias Harris? He's not going to hold them accountable? Kyle Lowry is a, a, the cheaper version of Chris Paul. What Chris Paul can do on the offensive side, Kyle Lowry brings on the defensive side. But they both have that type of leadership, dog in them. They have a different effect on the team. And I think Philly... When playoff time kicks in, I think they're going to regret it. And I think what they, their plans are, since Kyle Lowry is a free agent at the end of this year, I think they're just saying, well, we don't know how Joel Embiid's going to come back. And this is our first year with Doc. So anything that we get right now is gravy. But we can probably go get a, take a run at Kyle in the offseason and get him for a good price without having to give up one of our young pieces like Matisse Thybul. And I think that's wrong. I think that's somebody that's looking at the best price and opportunity. But in the real world, when you have a shot, you go for it. You grab Kyle Lowry. You have a shot, go grab him. So I was very disappointed because I was hoping, hoping Philly was going to be the team. But I think it's going to be up to Miami or Milwaukee to put that pressure on Brooklyn. The other trade is the Aaron Gordon trade to Denver. They gave up Gary Harris and R.J. Hampton plus a first-round pick. That went to Orlando and Aaron Gordon, of course, goes to the Denver Nuggets. I did say he was rumored to either Denver or the Celtics, but most likely it was going to be to the Celtics, and I was wrong, and... The Nuggets got better with Aaron Gordon. They did. They're going to get better with Aaron Gordon, but are they a championship team now with Aaron Gordon? No. I think now they're more on the level of Portland this year than they are on the Lakers. It makes them feisty. But I I I don't know. We gotta see how it looks like with uh, Nikola Jokic and uh, Aaron Gordon and what he has left in the tank. But saying that, I do also have to say that he is only 25 years old and he's only been playing in the league for seven years. 25 years old, Aaron Gordon, 
Rondo to the Clippers for Lou Williams. I don't know how they pulled that off, but that was, I think, that's one of the best deals that they that got pulled off. If you heard the previous podcasts, you heard my rant about Lou Williams and how I felt like he was the cancer, the remaining cancer from last season. I guess the team agrees with me because they got rid of him and they brought in Rondo. And I think, I think Rondo is going to be a real difference maker. Because Clippers are a team, when adversity hits, they crumble. They, they like to bully and punch, punch you. But if you punch them back, they don't like that. And Rondo's the kind of guy that can get people motivated. He can get... He, he's a dog. He can get the dog out of other people. And he doesn't need to get it out of Kawhi. He can take care of Paul George and the others and get the others rallied up. Because I think that's what Kawhi's been looking for. Kawhi's looking for somebody else to be the rah-rah guy of the team. Like Kyle Lowry was for the Raptors when he was there. I think... He, he knows that Rondo is definitely that piece. And his three-point shooting has been incredible. And everybody knows playoff Rondo. Playoff Rondo does not exist for no reason. Miami added Victor Oladipo. Miami is Miami's nice. Miami is nice. They could have also went for Kyle Lowry, but I'll be honest, I don't think Kyle Lowry is that big of a difference for Miami as he would have been for Philly. I really would have wanted him more for Philly, uh, and I think he would have made a bigger difference in Philly than Miami. Miami with Victor Oladipo. We got to see what kind of Victor Oladipo we're getting. This is... This Victor Oladipo is the one. He's up for a contract. So he's in his contract year. He's been begging. To calling and telling teams and other agents and players. Hey come get me. Come get me. And one of the destinations that he wanted to go to. Was Miami. So. It's make it or break it right now for Victor Oladipo. And people are going to be watching. And Chicago, I think Chicago, for a team that's that's not making a championship run, I think Chicago did the best and won this NBA trade trade deadline by far. They added Daniel Tice. They added uh, from the Orlando Magic, uh, Vooch, and. Along, they're going to be playing alongside uh, the young, uh, newly all-star, Zach Levine. And I think Zach Levine and uh, Vooch and Daniel Tice, the, that core nucleus uh, with Thaddeus Young, Cody White, and, you know, they have something there. And I think, I think they're going to be competing with, 
the Hawks. I think the Hawks are better than them, but I just think Zach Levine... Zach Levine elevates that team to be competitive with the Hawks. And I think they can... They they're definitely should be vying for a playoff spot, for sure. Playoff spot, for sure, for Chicago. And, you, man, it just shows you what... Uh, a head coach and a new GM could do, right? Last year, they were the laughing stock of the NBA. The players weren't listening to the coach. The coach was trying to teach them life lessons and calling timeouts during blow in the last 10 seconds of blowout games and so on. And now look at them. Look how far they've come. They are rebuilding and Zach Levine... If you have that piece, things could, like, it's not all doom and gloom. Look at Phoenix. They had Devin Booker. You you were patient, and it pays off. Zach Levine, patient, it pays off. And I think that's what's been Minnesota's problem, and hopefully Minnesota this year uh, with the new changes that they've made. I hope next year we're seeing them doing the kind of moves that the Chicago Bulls are making because it just makes the league better. It honestly does. I was telling my friend last night, uh, he hasn't watched the NBA in in a couple of years. Uh, I was telling him, man, I was like, the NBA is great. He's like, yeah, I was like, all the teams are stacked. They're great players. Every night you're going to get a good game. It's it's not just like the the big cities that have the marquee names. No, you have the John Morant in Memphis. Every uh, Lamelo Ball, Malik Monk, in uh, Devonte Graham, um, T- Scary Terry in Charlotte. It's it's great young talent mixed with uh, older. Uh, veterans, great veterans. So that's it on the NBA trade deadline. Uh, to be honest with you, I still think the front runners are the Brooklyn Nets to come out of the East, but Milwaukee, Giannis is looking different. There was something like, like how LeBron was playing in the bubble and how LeBron um, played. After the 2017 finals, where something just clicked and it felt like LeBron just figured it out. I think the first step, I'm not saying he's at where LeBron was when he 2017. No, no, I'm saying there was a jump with Giannis. You can see it, it happened in the Philly game. And I think Milwaukee is starting to gain confidence, they're getting more comfortable with each other. They're getting more comfortable with their defensive rotations because now you can see them going on the run, right? Because now they're no longer just thinking about their defensive uh, positions and priorities. Now they're comfortable enough where bam, bam, and they can go on the run. They're back to hitting their threes. I think, I think there's something to keep an eye out. And... Giannis, I'm telling you, Giannis made a leap. He made a little leap. I'm not saying it's a huge leap, 
but he still made a leap and if you were and we're all look we all knew that he had to make a leap in order to at least be competitive with Brooklyn so that makes that exciting all right let's end this topic about the NBA trade deadline um, so I don't keep rambling on and uh, listen to uh, what I have to say about Judas and the Black Messiah it's a great movie stay tuned thank you and you can send me an email ali ali 1111 kmaiha at gmail.com I would love and appreciate any feedback at all thank you thank you thank you so much can't say thanks enough all right before I start talking about Judas and the Black Messiah what I want to talk about is very quickly something that I just noticed and I'll be honest the podcast why I started doing this like I said is getting comfortable with public speaking and speaking what's on my mind and it's hard especially when you're alone and you don't have an, another person to play off even if it's another producer or anything like that and I see that I've been shying away by touching on NBA and UFC and boxing and I think that's helped me get into a little bit of a safe zone talking about sports because I love sports and sports has always been my safe zone and I know this might sound like a brag and I'm really not don't mean this as a brag because I've only done three episodes but I started when I started to listen to the podcast that I normally listen to what I started to notice is I started to turn off certain podcasts that I love because they had the same opinion as I did and I I didn't and I just taped the podcast and I was like I don't want anybody to think like I heard this and then I made my podcast even though I have no listeners I think I might have one listener or two listeners one might be in the Philippines and the other ones in the US thank you <laughs> and I stopped right away listening to the podcast and that's funny and I started thinking to myself am I having the same opinion or coming to the same conclusions to these guys it, it might not be in the exact words or anything but if the point the conclusions are close um, but they are close is it because of the environment and of course all I've been doing is listening to them and their opinions and their biases excuse me so it's only normal for me to have a same conclusion or 
maybe I can look at look at it as, hey, maybe I can actually do this podcasting thing because my opinions and my thoughts are just as um, interesting to listen to as the people that I'm listening to. And that's one way to look at it. And to be honest, that's the way I am going to take a look. That's the way I am going to look at it. Because I don't want to stop listening to the podcast that I listen to. And I know that if I hear their opinion on something, I'm not going to go and talk about that subject if I have the same opinion on my podcast. Saying that, so if you hear anything on my podcast and it sounds familiar familiar to anybody else's, I taped it beforehand and that's an opinion that I formed and it might be similar to others, but I formed that opinion. And if you see me not talking about a certain subject in depth, it's because I have the same opinion as the majority of other people. And again, even though right now I have no listeners, maybe two listeners, but this is the groundwork, this is the foundation of my podcast that I want. This is that this is the foundation of this podcast and you can always whether I'm in a episode 1000 Hopefully, inshallah, one day. Or in episode four. I want it to all be part of the same foundation. Nothing changing. So, now I want to talk about the movie that I watched. Judas and the Black Messiah. And the reason why I'm talking about Judas and the Black Messiah to be honest, is because last night I tried watching um, Spike Lee's Academy-nominated uh, movie, uh, The Five Blood Brothers. And I couldn't do it. Because I watched Judas and the Black Messiah... I could not watch more than 45 minutes to an hour of the five blood brothers that Spike Lee made. Because the Spike Lee movie was so bad and so bad and so horrible. And I know because, and I know, um, uh, the late great um, Chad Boswick is in that movie, and that's one of the main reasons why I stuck through that movie for an hour. And I know his death might have caused some trouble, but the way they made that movie is so bad compared to the Judas Judas and the Black Messiah. And if people are gonna watch. That Spike Lee movie. The Five Blood Brothers. Because it's an Academy Academy Award nominee movie. Then they have to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. Because I don't know how 
other people find out about their movies. But normally what I used to love about award seasons is it would introduce me to movies that I haven't heard of. Right? So I would look at, oh, all these movies are award-nominated movies. They must be great. All right, I haven't watched this one. Let me watch this one. And that's what I did the other day with the Five Blood Brothers. And it, it was so bad that I had to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. When I watched Judas and the Black Messiah, now there's a couple of people that are going to talk about it. And they the things about this movie uh, that people might have a problem with is... It's not long enough, and it doesn't go in-depth enough. And for it to be about Fred Hampton, and us not having any movies about Fred Hampton, it should have been a movie with more depth to it. And they're right. That's I wish it had more depth to it because this it's so this movie is about uh judas and the black messiah the black messiah being fred hampton and judas being william o'neill who's the rat who the fbi um turned him into a, a rat and they made him infiltrate into Fred Hampton's chapter of the Black Panther movement and they pretty much William O'Neill pretty much helped the FBI assassinate and plot and kill Fred Hampton in his home in Chicago and after um, and at the end of the movie you see Fred Hampton um, is sitting there, I believe, with uh, with a reporter, and they filmed uh, an interview with him, and he said, yeah, I just want people to know my story, and then after that interview was filmed, later that night, he shot and killed himself, because he couldn't live with what he did, and if you watch that movie, it It'll rip you on the insides. Knowing and seeing what William O'Neill does. To a man like Fred Hampton. And at the end of the movie. What you realize is how old Fred Hampton was. When they assassinated him and killed him. I believe he was 22 or 23 years old. That blew my mind. What he was what his vision was, what he was trying to accomplish, and what he did accomplish at such a young age. I'm not saying, oh, like we don't see young people now accomplishing greater things. No, we do. But the great things that they accomplish now are for selfish reasons, right? We see... Kids becoming billionaires and millionaires at younger and younger ages. Or they want to become movie actors. Or so. It's typically accomplishments at younger ages are driven by, for selfish reasons. 
in my opinion. But for him to have to accomplish all that, all those things at such a young age, and they're non selfish, was incredible. It's incredible. And at the end of the movie, I was so pissed off. You know why I was pissed off? Because before that movie, I did not know who Fred Hampton was. And that pissed me off. How could this man who did what he did and tried to do what he has done. And then have the government, his own government, assassinate him and kill him. For trying to help his people. And I don't know his name. But yet I know a rapper's name. that This new up and coming rapper. That might be a one hit single guy. Or the six man on the bench for the, char- for the Raptors. But I don't know this man's name. And there's a lot, there's a lot of people like that, that we don't know their names. And that's why reading history is is important. It's very, very important. And the type of history that we learn is very important. Because for people to not know who that man was, to for people to not know who... Who James Baldwin is. Who Huey Newton is. But to know who Little Nas X is. Or to know what their new album. Or the third guy. Or you can name all three of the Migos. That hurts. That hurts. If you're a person that is trying to be a better person. When you realize that, it should hurt you. It should make you want to be better. Make you want to read more. But again, that's just my opinion on it. I highly recommend for you to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. Don't watch Five Blood Brothers. If you can, go ahead and watch it. It has a lot of great historical points in it. But watch Judas and the Black Messiah. You should watch it. It's a great movie. Uh, Let me know what your thoughts are. Send me an email at Ali, A-L-I, 11, 1-1, Kameha, K-M-A-I-H-A, at gmail.com. And thank you.